and welcome to the Radiant Menopause Podcast. My very special guest today is the Bare Naked Coach, Maggie Bain. She is a Nigerian-born former nurse who has travelled the world offering advice on sex almost everywhere in fact. She provides individuals and couples with customised coaching to reignite their desire for each other and also in the bedroom. She helps couples deepen their intimacy, achieve more satisfaction in their relationship. So this is a really interesting conversation and towards the end Maggie also shares with us some personal information and a little bit about her own experience with the menopause. I hope you enjoy and don't forget to like and download this podcast Uh, if you would like to connect with me personally then jump on over to the radiant menopause chat facebook group it's for women only and it's a safe space for you to share and ask questions welcome to this fabulous sexy episode of the radiant menopause podcast and my very special guest today is the bare naked coach maggie bain who is actually a sex coach and relationship therapist and what you need to know is that she specializes in men and couples so ladies you need to listen up because uh (laughs) this lady can help (laughs) your man become a better lover let's celebrate that good afternoon Good afternoon, Jill. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. It's so true. You know, it's uh, what better way is to speak to men first and then uh, it all comes full circle is the way I see it. Yes, because I could imagine that a lot of sex therapists actually, you know, women tend to reach out to their doctors or to their friends or to whoever much more than men do about their health. So I imagine that's the same in the sex world as well. Yes, yes. And actually, as my work has evolved, uh, there's been many men that actually contact me first. Either they've word of mouth or they've watched my videos on YouTube and they've got a sense that there's a fairness there. And so I'm approachable and, you know, they come for a complimentary session and they find a way, they want to find a way to improve things. They really do. But it's, it's hard for them. Um, Just before we go any further, do you work with uh, same-sex couples as well? I have in the past. My doors actually are open to everybody, but I found that people tend to go where people who understand them, perhaps the lifestyle-wise, because I'm not in that uh, circle. So they tend to find a therapist or coach um, who will be able to understand their styles. But certainly I have in the past, yes. Yeah, it just occurred to me that we needed to kind of cover that. Yeah. Okay, so now we are going to get into sex, uh, but first of all... My favourite topic. (laughs) (laughs) What I want to do is just have a little bit of, just an overview, because I am going to, you know, I've I've introduced you and I've told everybody how wonderful you are. And of course, you know, they can read that in all the show notes and and I'm going to direct people to your website, clearly. But I just thought it would be worth people understanding kind of how Maggie became a sex therapist, what that journey looks like. And one of the glorious things is that you're like me, you're a former nurse, aren't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Well, this is it. Well, things were a natural progression. So even through childhood, things were, I was being shaped as, you know, it was, be, and through high school, I was the agony aunt. I was auntie Madge. 
you know, the go-to person to talk to and, and that sort of thing. And so later when I did train as a sex therapist, I told my high school friends and they went, well, we're not surprised. And then for years, you know, I was living in the Bahamas at the time and, you know, lunchtime with girlfriends and all that, you know, you talk about your boyfriends, your husbands, and lo and behold, we turned to the sex topic. And at the end, I would always say, oh, I'd love to be a sex therapist. And so when I was getting closer to 50 and my sons were grown up, growing up, I thought, well, what am I going to do with the next stage of my life? I can't see myself being a nurse training behind a dog, you know, the pace, the work, it's hard. Mm. And so I thought, well, what, is, what do I, you know, looking at your heart? And so, so then I thought, oh, I'd really love to be a sex therapist. I Googled it, found that there's only a few educators in the US and there was one in uh, West Palm Beach, which is a direct oh. flight, uh, yes, in Florida. And, um, so was accepted um, by Dr. Susan Lee, who's no longer with us. And so I'm Florida board certified sex therapist and returned to the Bahamas as the first sex therapist. Wow. Wow. Uh, you're actually cool. Nigerian by birth, I understand. Yes, that's right. So I like to say I'm a global citizen. So from Nigeria, I was brought up in Scotland, went to the Bahamas in 1988 lived there for 26 years my children are bohemian so that adds a very lovely uh, flavor and dynamic to relationships in general and so i like to think that i'm yeah a global citizen that i'm able to well traveled yeah you chose a new career or a new pathway or a new purpose at 50 and you know i was 51 Mm -hmm. And this is what I see, and this is why I want to do this podcast, is to be able to help women who are at that crossroads, who perhaps have a physical job or they're in something that they've done just out of maybe habit or something where they've got to the glass ceiling or maybe they're, they're, you know, things are changing in their bodies and therefore they're trying to adapt. But that actually anything is possible and that 50 is a, a really good time to make those decisions mm. because of the fact that your children, if you have them, exactly. are less dependent on you. And you have the time now, don't you, to go, actually, I'm gonna do something I wanna do. Well, I'm a great believer that thinking out of the box, I always was a great nurse, but always struggled with the fact of something was off. And it took me years and years to discover that it was creation, you know, my creative self. So when, you know, because when I was the first in the Bahamas and nobody knew what it was and I wanted to start my private practice and somebody said, oh, well, the best thing you can do is see if you can write a column in the local paper. Well, I'd never written before, but I thought, oh, that's a great way because they don't, they don't pay you, but you can free advertise at the bottom. So never short of confidence, picked up the phone, spoke to the features editor, told her some of the topics that I'd like to write about. And instantly she just said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Send it to me by Thursday, I'll print it on Tuesday. And so that whole, if you've ever written, that whole nakedness, hence bare naked coach, that vulnerability that comes where, oh my God, people are really going to see. And you know, it's, it's scary, but I found that I loved it. And it was well received. I started with relationship topics, a little bit sexual at the end. And the more as it was accepted, wrote every week for two years, I was able to write more sexual things. Like, why do men cheat? 
Why do women cheat? Does size really matter? And all sorts of things. So I discovered that I unlocked the thing that had been missing all those years, which was the creative part of myself. So I'm, I never think of, oh, I'm just this or whatever. I'm evolving and changing as we talked before. You know, this, it never stops. It never stops. And that's what's exciting. That's what's yeah. exciting. And you're about the same age as me. You're 60, uh, Maggie, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm going to be 61 in a few weeks. Yeah, so, you know, as you say... I'm proud of it. I mean, yeah. I, have, I have no problem saying my age, you know. I'm like, no, I celebrate life, you know. My parents both died much younger, and so I've outlived both of them, and I'm proud for it, you know. Yes, I mean, you, might, you probably don't know my story, but my mother died at 56, and when I had my kind of emotional and physical breakdown at 51, all I could see was if I didn't do something about it, that I was going to end up in the same yeah. way. Exactly. Um, and so this was a, her legacy to me was actually, you need to look after yourself because you're going to end up like me. I didn't see it like that at the time because I was 28 and pregnant with my first child. All of these life lessons come along. And I think that's what's so wonderful about women of our age is that we yeah. are the wise women. Yes, very. Now, if I'm going to go to a sex therapist, I probably want to go to one who's 60 rather than one who's 30. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Something recently said to me, a woman I was sitting with, and she said, there's something behind those eyes. Because she could feel the connection because the ability to connect. And I said, yes, wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom. There's wisdom. There has to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk about the fact that so many menopausal women are very confused about what's going on. And if we talk about the perimenopause, which is that period up to the last day, so we're really addressing the majority of women in their 40s. Yeah. Very confusing time emotionally. And, you know, you get almost all women get to that stage when one day they feel invisible, for example, their, their personality or their persona changes dramatically. And it happened for me one day overnight but also their emotional kind of development and therefore their sexuality is going to change as well and what they want out of a relationship. Mm. And of course, years ago, years and years ago, 200 years ago, it was the case that women were kind of, well, you, you're not fertile anymore. So the view was you're a bit redundant, but of course you and I really don't think like that anymore, <laughs> do we? Exactly. The world has changed in that respect. Yeah, definitely. But I'm not sure that, our generation necessarily feel that i think it's the younger generation are much more open about those things i mean my daughters and i'm sure your son doesn't view you in that same way but i think maybe slightly older people are still stuck in that time warp really would you agree mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely i know friends and family that dress much older and um, have a more settled type of thinking but they're fine with it. And th this is the thing is that we're made up in all different colors and, and personalities. So law of attraction, we're drawn to people who are similar to us. So, you know, if you want to feel more vibrant and radiant, then you, you seek out or you're drawn to those, um, those 
lovely woman as well. So I, yeah. I agree, and I think as the more in touch you get, as you get this space as a as an older woman, when you're not so full of work and children, is actually you can really focus on what do I want and who do I want to be in my life. And I think COVID has accentuated that. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I well through my work, you know, COVID's just magnified and put under a microscope relationships and intimacy and sex and your most intimate relationships and everything. So it's 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 made people more thoughtful and insightful and reflective and that's all good stuff, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So so can we talk about a little bit about your work then and because we want to make this very relevant and of course what I'm really keen to do because um, you know, you're principally a man and relation and couple coach. I want to be able to frame this conversation not only for women but for men that can listen into. Even if the woman in the household says, "Listen to this," <laughs> I think you need to listen. Yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. We kind of want to make it so that it is for both. So, can we start with the the changes that this man might be witnessing in his queen and not only is this woman confused but he will be ultimately confused potentially about what's going on as well and so for the majority of women we're talking about in their 40s but you know some women suffer their menopause much earlier sometimes in their 20s and their 30s so yeah. we can't be kind of block about it yeah exactly but on average we're talking about women in their 40s that will be experiencing these changes so what do you see happening for, we'll talk about older women uh, and men after that, but that kind of perimenopausal period, do you get a lot of people coming to you at that time? Well, they don't come specifically with those issues, but no. because it affects the relationship, that's yeah. why they get in contact with yes. us. So that's sort of further down the line of the concerns, you know, the main things are, Ultimately, because I work with men and couples, it's really, I find myself spending a lot of time really, really getting men to understand their woman. Mm. You know, it's this whole thing like, I don't understand where she's coming from, the whole, just not being able to connect and understand what your woman is all about. And more importantly, what her sex drive and her sexuality and what she needs you know, it's just like, well, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting enough sex or she's, you know, the rejection and other things have come in. And so the disconnect. So people come usually in crisis to me. And so it's the disconnect. But yes, it can be all those reasons. But, you know, if they don't understand what's really going on, then how, how, how are they actually being able to understand and connect? During menopause, you need a lot of understanding. You need the cooperation, you know. It's, uh, it is a two-way thing. Yeah, it takes two to tango. It's, yeah, so, yeah. So if we assume, because we, we can assume, because there is, it's evident that the majority of women uh, are not prepared for their menopause. Most women are ignorant in the nicest possible mm -hmm. sense. There is no training to be a perimenopausal woman. You know, mm -hmm. you might have these symptoms and be confused about whether or not you are indeed and even going to your GP and they're kind of not really even talking about the menopause, just talking about, well, let's treat the symptom, whatever it is you've come in with that day, whether it's you know, giving you some antidepressants or treating your dry skin or whatever it might be. 
So if she's confused, it's yeah. no wonder that the man is confused as well. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so then you, all the more reason there's a disconnect that happens in the relationship, which just adds to, you know, and with not understanding women, the gender and, and you know, it's the dismissive, oh, you're hormonal, you're emotional or the dismiss and oh, and so I don't want to be around you. And, you know, and so there's, it, it really adds the whole relationship puts it into a very complex. So people come with these very complex issues to me. They're not quick fixes. So if they were, they would have been able to fix it themselves, yeah. you know, or they've gone to self-help book. But, you know, we tend to choose self-help books that we think is the way that we think, you know, it's not really solving the problem. And so that's why having somebody, you know, a third person who can really see with clarity and be non-judgmental and really, you know, I'm known for my great listening ear and able to really find out what the problem is. So what we know is that 51, which is the average age of the menopause, is often the time that the relationships break down. Women all leave work at that point. I did, I resigned from my job at 51 too. So, and that just doesn't happen overnight, does it? It's a bit like the perimenopause. You don't just become perimenopausal at your, at 50 and, and it's all over by 51. Kind of, yeah, know. yeah. So this will have been going on for months or years more yeah, likely. And, yeah, and so yeah. when they get to you, things are pretty pretty bad so can you share with us in confidence maybe a, a couple of examples of how you know what scenarios have happened with either a, a man or couples that have come to you and how how the, what the outcomes have been what comes to mind straight away is a man that this was back in the Bahamas and he he came for a set well first of all he contacted me and he said he'd heard me on a radio show that morning and he said I wonder if you could call my wife because I'd like to have us to have sessions and uh, with you because, you know, I think there's some issue. He just felt that the, the sex life wasn't enough and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, okay, but you know, it's a bit of a chickening out on his part to get me to do his, but I was like, okay. So of course her thing was, oh, so this is his latest thing, right. you know? And because they were over 50. Oh, this is his latest thing. Uh, he's never satisfied, never satisfied. He's never happy. Um, what I'm supposed to change to make him happy? And so it's that kind of response. And the long and the short after many sessions, which they did and they got a deeper understanding, was that he really, after reading my book, and there was one chapter in my book that's a little bit sexy with three personal stories in each chapter. And he said, you, you know that, that bit, that story with you and husband in the bath and the candlelights and the, you're bathing and bathing each other. And he says, I want that, I want that. Again, it's desires and expectations. And in his mind, what he had wasn't enough. But in fact it was, they were having sex, they were being intimate. It's just his imagination. So he was expecting her to be something else and to be nymph-like and, you know, so that, that's one of the things that is often, you know, our brains are our greatest sex organ, which despite the other hormones happening in our body, we've still got our imagination. 
did it help her to understand? I mean, I don't know whether they changed, you know, and they did did that, but mm. at least it helped her to understand him, presumably. Well, yes, to a certain extent, but it, it gave her a voice. It gave her a voice. It gave her a place, a safe place where she could really express herself. So there were some things that she made very clear during the sessions that she wasn't going to do anymore. And so it was just a great opener that, you know, what you want when you're 20 or 30 is not what you want in your 40s and 50s. But it's a balancing of expectations and making sure that disappointments and are dealt with. And how do we deal with disappointments? So it, it's, it's very interesting and very complex. And they came away with an understanding but, uh, and probably a better balance in their relationship, which I felt that she had a greater voice, you know, and to say, no, I don't like that. Because I think she'd gone along with a lot of things for many years. So, yeah. But presumably the ball can be a de very definitely on the other foot, where perhaps you've got a woman who is expecting things. Oh, yes. And particularly through the perimenopausal period where hormones, you're on this roller coaster. Oh, yes. And one minute you don't want to be touched and the next minute you just want rampant sex. You know, yeah. in your 40s, not really understanding why yourself and your partner's kind of going, ah, I don't yes. know. Yes, oh, I've had quite a few women who have the higher sex drive than the man. Yeah. People are always surprised at that. Always. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're married. So again, it's not that they're just dating or living and you can change your partner easily. There's a real, you know, once you're in, you're in sort of thing. How to deal with that. Some have had better outcomes than others because sometimes the, you know, by hitting a wall and just like for women not getting the men to understand or hear them, the same can be heard the other way. And often... And I say to my clients, you know, does, do the issues start in the bedroom, the ripple effect out, or is it the ripple effect out of the effect in the bedroom, which comes first, you know? Mm. So it's very hard. You, sometimes you can't pinpoint it, but we understand the importance of uh, connection and touch. Mm. And so this is the thing that I work on, which is really sensuality as well. So it's understanding the power of sensuality and that's really important because you know i talk a lot about um physical changes within the menopause mm. and although women do suffer with vaginal changes in pre-perimenopause post-menopausally this is likely to be more of a problem where you know the vagina becomes very thin and atrophied particularly if you're not taking topical estrogen to support that area so actually penetrative sex can become very difficult or painful or even impossible. So that kind of sex therapy that you teach, presumably, uh, you can help people with that? Yes, absolutely. Because the way that we produce, I mean, taking into account all the things that you said, but taking into account arousal starts up here. And so by arousal happening here, you will produce lubricants. Um, so, you know, if you're going to go straight for intercourse, yes, you're going to have to need lubricants and it may not be as successful or enjoyable. Of, and so this is where the whole understanding that we have to be stimulated in other ways. And, and, and so, that it doesn't have to end in penetrative sex either. Yes, exactly. No, it's much more fun. There are so many variations and varieties of things that you can do. 
And so it's getting to that creative side. So uh, can we talk about some of those creative things? Come on, we've got these many. <laughs> help them to be more creative. Yeah. So, well, obviously, well, either it's the oral sex. So oral sex, of course, is going to produce uh, more lubricants as well. So either people get into that or sex toys. Those are just some of the things that you can think of, you know, and that's what people do. Often people, even in their 20s and 30s, use a combination of all those things because I've had those dry dryness and problems with newly married people in yeah. their in their mid 20s. Um, so it, it's across the board because if you shut down here, it's so easy to shut down yeah. below. That's why it's all connected. The brain is our greatest sex organ, you know? And so that's why I'm a great um, ambassador for deep, passionate kissing. Deep, passionate kissing is um, known because to be the, the highlight you know, for arousal because it's all up here. So we're touching all the senses, sight, smell, taste, sound, sight, you know, the whole thing. And so that, if you really want, and that is really one of the, in my initial sessions with couples is really to find out, are you still kissing? It is one of the first things to go. Well, because um, if you're a menopausal woman and you're not really interested in sex, the last thing you're gonna do is kiss your husband because you don't want him to do any more because it's it's an invitation or men might see that as an invitation when actually you just really quite like a kiss and a cuddle and again this is for all ages and all women feel that is uh or i shouldn't say all women because there are a percentage of women that have a very high sexual drive like men so they can switch on very quickly but that's the there's a relationship thing that goes along with there that i have to deal with that you know, once men understand women's sex drive, that women need a lot of non-penetrative uh, attention, then they have to understand that. And so there's, you again, it's with your relationship and your communication, you know, be, you be playful with it. It doesn't have to be, you know, just because he has an erection in response to it doesn't mean that it has to follow through. I discourage women by saying, oh, if I kiss and deep pat, it's only going to be that. Is, that's a relationship thing as well. So men really thrive, I found through all my years, is that they thrive on emotional connection too and deeply rich relationships. So for them, it is the sign that you love me. You know, everybody, we start at the same place from birth to feel needed, wanted, and loved. And so men have that too. They have a different approach after that. But yeah. uh, they still want to know that you still need me. And, you, you know, the conversation can still be, honey, you know I'm not there, but, you know, I'm, let's play and let's kiss or whatever, you know. And the thing is not to shut down all those areas mm. because you're shutting down the affection. Yeah. And so it's a, it, is, it is a very complicated thing because yeah. the hormones drop. And even, you know, with your moon cycle, you know, the, that period of if women are mm -hmm. PMS, if, if post, uh, post baby as well, you know, those kind of physical things that happen with this drop in estrogen. And we know that it is a physical thing. It just, 
just because you have the physical thing doesn't mean that, as you say, you still don't need that other person. Mm -hmm. You still don't mm -hmm. respect and love that person, but it may be that you just can't show it in the way that you used to be able to, mm. either temporarily or, or for a longer period of time because things are, are physically changing for you. Mm. What I always say is find something, whether it's just holding hands, whether it's you know rubbing the back whatever there has to be the convey you still have to have the connection yeah. and we know that touch is the bond and intimacy is so dependent on the glue staying together yeah because if you don't pay attention if you think it is all about you and well i don't feel like i'm sure there are some moments in the day you know are it's all going up and down all the time there are moments. And so the thing is to pay attention. You have to pay attention. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Things like, um, uh, you know, looking at uh, old photographs, you know, even if you're in your 30s, but looking at those early days. I mean, I've, I've been married for 38 years. But, you know, it, it always brings us closer together when we look at photographs of us as youngsters and as, you know, that growing the children up. And, the, you know, my, my husband's actually a real big softie and on mm. his green he has a screensaver and it just flicks through yeah. photographs out of and it keeps him really in in grounded and in yeah. the moment yeah. and enjoying yes celebrating his life and his family and his relationship with me as well and i don't sometimes know that if that's going on because it's just something that he's he's got on his lovely. lovely well you know the thing is to when people say about you know the romance, because the romance can go very early on. You don't have to be in menopause for things to go. No. Uh, it's the same thing I always say about, and you're just saying, is the bring back flirting. Yeah. Flirt with each other. What was the thing that caught you to begin with? Was it the, the fixed eye gaze? Was it the smile? Was it the handhold? Was it the touch? Was it, was it the sweet words? Was it calling? Whatever, or like you said, the memories, whatever. So you flirt again, and that in itself is very connecting. It's very feeling needed and loved. It's playful. It's fun. It keeps things light when you're feeling with everything menopausally, you know, and you're feeling, you know, just have a laugh and crack a laugh about something and somebody playing and flirting with you is so important. And, you know, I always say about deep, sincere compliments. Hmm again the power of that is and again i i say it's for the guys you know if there's, if there's something about her that is really cute you know whether it's you know her butt it's her legs whatever whatever let her know but i say don't just drop the compliment in there tell her why why and tell her how it makes you feel so then that gets your attention. So it's distracting because some of menopause is we have, you know, life is going to happen. We can't sink ourselves into our changes. Have fun with it and know that, oh, this could be another side. This could be our relationship evolving in a different type of way. And so look at it like that. Because, I mean, his body's changing too. And his... Yes. You know, his world is changing in yes. a way. And then later on in life, you know, the guys get the prostate changes. Yeah. Which for them is very hard to deal with. Yeah. And of course, what you know, going back to the hugging thing, we know through COVID that one of the things that is very traumatic for all of us is that we haven't been doing the hugging 
that you know we're we're used to doing that lots and lots of people are saying what 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 i'm really missing here is the physical contact let alone the intimacy but just mm -hmm. the physical contact mm -hmm. and we know that hugging actually changes your physiology it produces this hormone called oxytocin mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and oxytocin is the one that vasodilates that opens up your mm -hmm. arteries and makes blood flow to yeah everywhere including to the end of things you know mm -hmm. which is what statins or what viagra does it's yeah this it is oxytocin that's exactly the yeah. same process it gets to the end of the penis and vaso vasodilates. Mm -hmm. So if you're not having this intimacy because you've cut it off because maybe you don't feel like it or you're frightened or you're, you're feeling overwhelmed or maybe your self-image is done, that's very common mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. You're know, not feeling like yourself and that you're not you know, viable or, or useful anymore. All of those things, I get it, I really get it. But actually, it's like anything. If you want to change something, then you have to change something. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared to to experiment, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And so if the guys are listening or even with the ladies listening, you know, it's start complimenting and flirting and being kind to her and teasing her a little bit in a, a kind way without being brutal. Yes, there's changes, there's changes. But embrace it, you know, and just look at, okay, well, if I've, perhaps this has changed and I don't have, what can I gain? And so, like I said, where perhaps with the children, the relationships probably lost its romance a little bit. They're very time consuming. You maybe haven't been going out so much or spending so much time alone. Well, let's concentrate on this and let's grow this. Mm. And, and that's how the, the relationship, because relationships change about, and we all do, about every 10, 10 years, every decade we're changing. Because as you described, the hormones are changing all the time. Mm -hmm. and you know other things our own personal growth professional and life life happens so we can't expect it to stay the same why would you expect it to stay the same no so let's look at how we can develop and explore it one of the biggest sadnesses for women is their midlife middle-age spread their belly fat you know they they are so upset because they want to be the 20, 30 year olds, you know, with the flat belly and the, the, the dipped in waist. But that is, an, uh, in my opinion, an unrealistic expectation. So there are things you can do about it nutritionally and related and all the rest of it. But actually, it's the same thing, really. Is Yes. Why would you think that? And again, look at what you've gained through the years. Look at the wisdom. You know, I'm much wiser now than when I was 21. Yeah. I thought I was very wise then, but you know, now I know. Yes. So it's really being realistic on things. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you let everything go. No. You know, I've still got my yoga mat here with doing my floor exercises behind me and I've bought an exercise skipping rope. You know, there's lots of things that you can do to at least, you know, keep maintain yourself so that you feel good. You know, it's not really how people perceive you. It, first and foremost, it's how you feel. Um, yeah, about loving yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, for some women, that is a really difficult ask, but it's one that I really want to encourage people to listen to this podcast because we are going to do more sessions on that self-image and how you can find passion and purpose in your life for yourself so that, by definition, your relationships with whoever in the world are mm -hmm. going to be too. 
Brilliant stuff. I just wanted to be personal just a little minute for you and ask you, you know, as now you're 60, what your personal experience was of the menopause? Mm. Well, I was definitely perimenopausal. I can't remember when it, if I could actually put a year on it, mm. but it, it was, seemed like a long time. So like everybody, mood swings up and down, but that was more as I was entering, uh, menstruation and that sort of time so I thought it was more that and yes hot flashes and more I had more night night sweats yeah uh, which isn't good if you're in the Bahamas no. <laughs> the, the, the river is flowing down the cleavage uh, many a night but it hit me and I remember it distinctly it hit me just after I had a big 50th party and just after that I found like my mood went boom. it didn't go up and down it went doom like that it plummeted where I had difficulty getting out of bed I wasn't sleeping well um, I would get up you know, see my clients and go and lie down again the fatigue the lack of energy and all of that but really it was the mood that was the most disturbing and within I think it was about a week or two it was fairly quick I started developing panic attacks and panic attacks are associated with anxiety. So that was the first time I'd ever experienced a panic attack. And it was very alarming because I could feel the back of my tongue throbbing. And not only was my heart going like this, but my tongue was throbbing and it was just, you know, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. It was just gloom and doom. It was just the, you know, catastrophe. Like, and luckily I managed to call my doctor and I said, I'm coming and I got in the car, but I will never forget that car ride with a panic attack. Wow. And uh, bless her, bless her. And she, when I went in and I just said, you know, said what was happening and, um, and she just said, don't worry Maggie, we're gonna deal with this. We're gonna take care of this. And I was like, it was such a relief to know that, yeah. And, you know, she gave me something for the anxiety. But more importantly, because she was my regular doctor, and that's why it's so important to get regular blood tests, I believe, as a good former nurse. And she actually had a record of my estrogen levels and my estradiols and all that from the year before. So she took blood at that time. And then I went back to see her when she had the results. I think it was about a week later. And she said, it's so interesting because she says, normally I see women's estrogen and estrogen nudging down over the years, nudging. She said, but because we had your record from last year, she said, yours is completely dropped in one go. That's how my, my experience was, you know. And from there, I actually tried bioidentical hormone replacement. Yep. Uh, which if, I don't know if you've discussed it on shows, is through blood tests, the little mixture that is then put on just above your in the pubic area, uh, cream daily is to replace what my body was needing. And so I did that for some years and then that sort of petered out and I let that go. So almost like a surgical menopause. So yeah. that's what happens to women after they've had <laughs> their womb removed or, or a breast removed. Ovaries, or yeah. Ovaries, yeah. Oh yes, it was dramatic, dramatic. And it was out of character. Yes. And, How does um, your husband deal with that? I'm known to be very pragmatic. So I think the, the, the fact that, well, I just took myself off to the doctor to deal with it and all that sort of thing, people didn't know. They just thought, 
you know, is it a depression? So talk to women that if the depression has been sort of seeping in on them uh, over the years, often it is the hormone levels. Yeah, it's more likely to be the hormone levels than straight depression. And we see so many yeah. women still being diagnosed with depression, which actually is this drop in estrogen, yeah. even antidepressants rather than HRT because there's this big fear about HRT mm -hmm. actually what we know is that these body identical HRTs the new HRTs that you put through your skin mm -hmm. are much safer and actually probably much safer than an antidepressant so mm -hmm. you know there's a yeah yeah or there's you know you've got to find what's right for you right for you yeah absolutely brilliant so I've just got some uh, just a few quick fire questions just to end our interview and I, I really right. interested to know as a midlife woman, and you've talked about your wisdom. Thank you. Am I still midlife? Yeah. I'm to be midlife. Yeah, of course you are. Uh, well, I mean, we're recording this today, and fairly recently we had the, the death of uh, Vera Lynn at 103. I know. So, you know, effectively, we are midlife women. I know. I know. I know. I, know. I want to be rocking with that. I'm going to colour my hair to the day I die. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Anyway, so apart from, you've talked about the wisdom, what would you say is your biggest midlife win? What, what is it that as a midlife woman you think, ah, oh, you know, I'm really enjoying this about my life now? Gosh, okay. I think with the wisdom has come along, I've always been very intuitive, but with wisdom, I've become that, that part of my intuition has been sort of fine-tuned. <laughs> and so I really love that. I really love that. The fact that it's a great blessing that I don't have any eggs left. It is very liberating. So the idea that I talk about, obviously, um, contraception with people, but the idea that you don't need contraception anymore is beautiful, beautiful. I, I was talking with somebody and, you know, the different types of uh, IUDs and coils, as people would know it as. And I think through um, all my fertile years, and I think I had three different ones, three different makes of three different, as that had evolved as well. Yeah. So it, it's just very liberating. And you're free, the free for choice. I'm a great believer in choice, obviously. Yes, it's just, there's a freeing sense. There's a very freeing sense. You know, we talk about self-care a lot and the fact that uh, I, I, I'm guessing, like me, your intuition is improving because you're giving yourself a bit more time. You've mm -hmm. got a bit more time. But what do you do if, if I said, oh, you know, go and have a pamper day or go and have a pamper moment? What would your thing of choice be um, to give yourself a little bit of self-care? Well, my first choice always is, and if I told you I don't have a TV, so I'm a big music person. And if I can say Spotify. So music is my go-to thing. And music is great for changing the mood. Yes. So even if you're feeling down and depressed or you're having a lousy day, don't go to the sad songs. Well, you could do a few just to make you feel a bit better. But I would then say start stepping it up. So music is a big thing. And I get very quiet. You know, I get very quiet. And, um, so, and with music, that's my first thing. I suppose... Well, I had such a fun day yesterday, fun day. So it's surrounding myself with uh, fellow entrepreneurs, like-minded, you know, the heart people, uh, the people who talk the same language as I do. That for me is exhilarating and it's fun. 
and just bouncing ideas and, and that sort of thing. So that for me is self-care because it really tells me that I'm on the right path. It tells me, uh, it brings, it centers me back again. Yeah. So and are you mixing with, because of your work, although a lot of my work has changed now, I spend most of my time with women now um, in a, in a social sense, but also on a, a job sense. Would you say that you are mixing with men and women equally now at this time in your life? Or do you still have more of an emphasis on one than the other? Um, it's hard to say. Maybe like you, I, I sort of, my life touches many people, I like to think. You know, whether it's little conversations here or there. I have been known to give, uh, help people on park benches. Yes. And, you know, on trains and planes and automobiles as the plane would say I'm, yeah i'm sure they're saying the same to you as they say to me oh i feel better already <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i don't know if i could say it's because each day is different uh, and what are you looking forward to in the future oh well i've just got my first grandchild in march oh, yeah I'm very jealous. Well, i had gone to the bahamas to meet uh to then go on to florida where he was born dylan but unfortunately that's Two days before, that's when Trump closed the borders. And oh. I haven't even cuddled him yet. So, but of course, thank goodness for internet and all the video chat and all that sort of thing. But it's really, I, I'd heard it obviously from people who had grandchildren, how it just, it's just, and it is, it's just lovely. So I'm really embracing that whole grandmother and really playing a role of the things that I missed out when I was a child. I, I say I'm, I'm going to teach him how to swim in the pool. My work is so important to me. It is who I am. It's integral to my happiness and my well-being. So it's very fun to see how it's developing and changing. And wherever I'm meant to go and whatever I'm meant to do with it, I think it will just evolve and reveal itself. Yeah. Well, um, Maggie, it's been an absolute delight. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much. Yes, I have. I have. It's been great. I like the fluidity of the conversation instead of question answer question answer so it's been fun fun good well thank you for your time i'm going to keep in contact and maybe yeah. we'll you know in the future as the, the podcast grows we'll come back and we'll do another interview oh yes because there's a lot of things this is the bare naked coach all of the information will be around this video and in the show notes thank you maggie we were going to talk real soon thank you for yeah, being part good of this. thank you thank you for having me <laughs>